0: Good morning, everyone. Glad you're here. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad that God is still speaking to us and that He's doing something in His church. Um, I don't know if you sense it, but I believe in my heart that I sense there's an increase in the activity of the Holy Spirit in us because we have come to a place of great desperation. I'm going to be all over scripture so poor Shane's just gonna have to wonder where is he at now but um, you know people are looking into I've heard more people talking about Daniel Ezekiel Revelation and uh, when when people are thinking that way thinking like what kind of time frame are we living in um, there's a lot of books on the coming of the Lord uh, Jonathan Collins just Uh, released something called Harbinger 2. I'm reading that. Um, But I just believe God is speaking to us out of his word and using different people to speak to us. And we need to be listening and have a sensitive heart. You know, from the time of the fall of man in the Garden of Eden, God dealt with all the principles involved in that catastrophic event. He dealt with... uh, Adam he dealt with Eve and he dealt with that serpent and he told that serpent you know he there's a cost to all of the principles involved there was a cost to Adam there was a cost to Eve and then there was a major cost to the serpent but God gave a promise in um, placing that cost on the serpent he said I will put a dividing line a dividing wall a wall of Contrast, enmity between you and the seed of the woman. And this is going to be the resulting effect of that enmity. You will bruise his heel, but he will crush your head. And from that point on, the Bible has been about God fulfilling that. It's his redemptive work. The Bible is a history of God's redemptive work. God started with calling a man out of the most idolatrous part of human civilization at that time. The Chaldean culture was a culture steeped in idolatry. And God not only called Abraham out of his hometown, he was a Chaldean. He started a new group of people called the Hebrew people, but he was Chaldean. He, he had a Chaldean background, and God called him out of that called him to lead the idolatry that was all around him and that he was going to call him to serve the one true God and he gave him promises and you know the story of of his descendants from Abraham, Isaac and Jacob the uh, time of the Egyptian bondage and the exile that came out of that hundreds of years later when God took the people of Israel out of their homeland the judgment of the Lord fell upon them and here he raises up a man called Daniel, a young man. He's probably, if not in his late teens, early 20s, when God begins to give him visions and dreams, and, and there's a hope that Daniel is looking for. And if you think about this, Daniel is one of the last books of the Old Testament. 400 years of silence, the people of Israel primarily hung on to Daniel and these latter prophets of them preaching and declaring a better day is coming where God is going to show himself and, and bring back his promises to the people of Israel. Something was going on at the end of that 400 years when an elderly priest who was chosen by lot to go in on that particular day and burn incense in the holy place. This is in Luke chapter 1 if you want to just kind of follow along I'm going to mention a few things in Luke 1 but it starts with the birth of John the Baptist but in the background of that birth was an elderly couple both of them from the line of Levi they were both from the house of Aaron Uh, Elizabeth was from the priestly family her husband was from that priestly family her husband was an older man they were both out of their childbearing years And when he went in that day to burn incense to the Lord in that cloud of sweetness personifying the presence of God that was in that place called the holy place, Gabriel appeared to him and told him that he and his elderly wife would have a child and his name would be called John. And because he kind of doubted the whole thing, the angel says, you will know that this is true because you won't be able to speak a word until that baby is born. And that was exactly what happened. But I want you to follow this in Luke chapter 1 with me just for a moment because Gabriel appeared to him, and six months later, that same angel appeared to Mary. Six months into Elizabeth's pregnancy, that same angel came to Mary And told her, this is it. This is the crutch of the entire prophetic word of God from the fall of man to right now. This is it. This is about to happen. You're going to have a child. You're a virgin. That's impossible with man, but it's not impossible with God because the one you will be impregnated with is the eternal son of God who's never had a beginning He's going to take up residence within your womb, joined to your part of this equation, to put it just like that. She's going to be impregnated with the Son of God, and the Holy Spirit was going to be the means by which that happened. Do you remember her asking, well, how can that be? I don't know a man. I've never been with a man. How can I be pregnant? He said the Holy Spirit, just like the Holy Spirit, brooded over the face of the waters in Genesis 1, and out of chaos, chaos brought order. He said, the Holy Spirit is just going to hover over you, and by means of the Holy Spirit, the Son of God is going to descend into your womb. She leaves almost immediately from her hometown up in Nazareth and goes down into the hill country of Judea, where Elizabeth and Zechariah lived. And when she walked, went into the house of, their house, and Mary greeted her elderly cousin, it says that Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Filled with the Holy Spirit. The same Spirit that hovered over Mary was there in that house coming upon Elizabeth. And it says the baby in her womb, when the baby heard the greeting, the baby leaped. And John was prophesied, that he would be filled with the Holy Spirit while in the womb. Now, I do not know what that means, but it means that something was going on in her womb. Something besides a normal pregnancy was going on. That baby was filled with the Holy Spirit. You know, John didn't have a chance of being anything but a Spirit-filled man. When you're filled with the Holy Spirit while you're in gestation, you're filled with the Spirit, whether you wanted to be or not. Because I don't know about any of the volition that might be there. Probably not any volition. But here's this baby. This baby is endued with power, the power of God. Something's going on. Mary gets there. I, it did not say that she stayed for the birth of the baby. She must have left just before Elizabeth gave birth to John. So she headed back to Nazareth. And, the, and yeah, You might have had neighbors and friends like this. When John is born, there's neighbors and relatives there, and they're so excited. Here's this elderly couple. It's a miracle. Nobody's ever expected them to have a child at this age, and they know something special about this baby, and and so they're the ones trying to name the baby. Nice neighbors, nice relatives. Like, hey, we're going to name him. We're going to name your baby after his dad, Zachariah. But isn't it interesting? That Zechariah carried the same name as the prophet Zechariah in the Old Testament who would write, It is not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. And when John was about to be named Zechariah, his dad was waving for them to say, No, that's not He took a writing pad and wrote out his name is to be John. And as soon as he did that, his tongue was released And he gets filled with the Holy Spirit. And he starts prophesying. I think we can say that something is going on in this story. And the someone that's involved in every step of the way is the Holy Spirit. So just bear with me a little bit this morning. The story just gets richer as you go on. Jesus is born in Luke 2. We know Luke 2 so well. It's been used in in Christmas programs. As long as I can remember, shepherds visit that stable, and they worship him. They've just seen in heaven a sky full of angels. The angels are excited, and rightfully so because they know this is the intersection of God's plan. It is finally coming to pass that the, that the head-crushing deliverer that was promised in the Garden of Eden is now on the earth. He's been born, and angels are filled with excitement. I just wish we could have occasionally just a little bit of that excitement, that we're living on this side of all of that, that we're living in the benefits of that. It had to be overwhelming for even the angels to know it's on, he's here. The Holy Spirit is doing something. Something's going on here. In Luke 2, 25 and 26, it says the Holy Spirit was upon him. Exact words, it had been revealed. This is when Simeon comes. He's, he's an older man. I'm saying he's an older man because he's been promised by the Holy Spirit that he will see the Messiah before he dies. Now, I don't think probably a promise in his 20s is going to you know, be that involved but maybe he's reaching his older years we know that anna's about to come along right behind him but here's simeon it says the holy spirit has told him the holy spirit you see the holy spirit is just active everywhere here he's active with elizabeth and He's active with mary he's active with joseph he's active with a man named simeon who knows how far back in simeon's life he got this promise from the holy spirit you will see with your very eyes Messiah. I don't know if he told anybody that, but if he did, he probably had looks of people that says, you're crazy. You know, we got Roman occupation here, but he was given this promise by the Holy Spirit. And the day that Mary and Joseph took Jesus into the temple courtyard to be circumcised and named, here comes Simeon, who is told by the Holy Spirit, go to the temple courtyards now. He's there. And when he gets there, doesn't say he asks permission to grab their baby. But he walks up, he takes this baby in his arms, eight days old, and he begins to prophesy over him. And right after that, if you keep reading in Luke 2, right after that, here comes Anna, Anna's 84 years of age, and all she's been doing with her life is staying around the temple, hanging around the temple, fasting and praying. And she walks up, and she begins to prophesy over this eight-day-old baby that the redemptive work of God is on. Something is going on here, wouldn't you say? Now, I'm trying to condense this whole story. I'm I'm not going to preach the whole Bible to you this morning. But here's the interesting word that Simeon got, that he would see the Lord's Christ, those words. He would see the Lord's Christ. Now, why is that important? This is a direct reference to Messiah. Messiah, Mashiach, as it's pronounced in Hebrew, simply means the anointed one it means to be smeared with oil and to be anointed Christ or Christos is the Greek rendering of the anointed one so what Simeon was told was you're going to lay your eyes on the promised one the anointed one the Messiah himself John the other baby is now grown am I am I going through the history okay with you already all right He's in his 30s, but he's preaching, and he is disturbing the people. He is making enemies and friends, but hardly anyone is going around saying, such a nice guy. You ought to hang out with him a little bit. <laughs> no, he was preaching righteousness. He was calling people to repentance. He's stirring up the people. He's a prophet. And as soon as people start looking at him and you know what, maybe he's Mashiach. Maybe he's the anointed one. He deflects that right off the bat and says, no, no, no. I'm not anywhere close to that. I baptize you with water. But one's coming after me. I'm not even worthy to stoop down and undo his sandals. He won't baptize you with the water, but he will baptize you this way. You remember what he said? He will baptize you with the Holy Ghost, with the Holy Spirit, and with fire. He is going to have a baptism of the Holy Spirit. Can you see the activity of the Holy Spirit? And it wasn't long after that that he baptized Jesus. And you know what happened when Jesus came up out of the water. The Father in heaven spoke an audible way. This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. And here comes the Holy Spirit descending upon him. In the form of a dove. And that happened because... John the Baptist was told by the Holy Spirit that when you baptize a particular person and you see a dove come down as representative of the Holy Spirit, that's Messiah. And that's exactly what happened. The Holy Spirit descended upon Jesus, and it wasn't long after that when the first things that Jesus did was preach in his home synagogue in Nazareth. Almost 700 years, Isaiah had written beforehand, Isaiah 61, when it says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Now, if we know that Jesus is Messiah, he's the anointed one, how is he the anointed one? Isaiah tells it this way, the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, and he has anointed me. The anointing that was upon Jesus as Messiah was the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Jesus unrolls the scroll of Isaiah to that very point and he adds something to the text. If you recall, he reads Isaiah 61 now the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me and he has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted, to release the captives, to preach uh, freedom to those who are in prison, to appoint uh, uh, them joy instead of ashes. Uh, The garment of praise instead of a garment of heaviness. And all of the things that would come out of the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus stopped reading and he looked at them and he says, Today, today a 700 year old prophecy is fulfilled today. And they received that really well. They got so mad at him for claiming that that they kind of hustled him out toward a cliff to throw him off the cliff. And I don't know how, what that happened, but it said that Jesus made his way from them. They were not going to throw him off any cliff, I can tell you that. But they knew what he was saying. Who is he? This is Joseph and Mary's son. Who do you think he is claiming that he's the Messiah? They knew exactly what he was saying. All was done right there right there in nazareth to to tell them that the anointed one had arrived everything jesus said and did after that was through the means of the holy spirit he said the holy spirit's anointing is upon me so it's just fitting that when he before he ascends into heaven what does he do i'm not trying to condense three years of of jesus ministry in just a statement or two but let's just get to the point of where he's done all that he's going to do by the holy spirit He's given all the instruction, and before he's about to ascend into heaven, this is what he says to them. Go go back into Jerusalem, wait for the promise of the Father, and you'll receive power after that the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You will be endued, you'll be clothed with power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you. So all of that he was telling them was, You will receive what I have to enable you to do what I've been doing. Now, if you go through Ephesians and you go through, I'm I'm trying to condense all of this for you. Ephesians 5. Ephesians 5 is a great chapter because he, he talks in the latter part of that about husband and wives and Christ and the church. But before he gets to that, in verse 18, he says, listen, don't be drunk. With wine wherein is debauchery. But be filled with the Holy Spirit, speaking to yourselves and to others in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, making melody in your heart to God. But that word, be filled with the Holy Spirit, is such a unique word that it's intensive. It's a perfect imperative, meaning this. This would be the better way to translate it. Be filled with the Holy Spirit and keep on being filled with the Holy Spirit. And keep on being filled with the Holy Spirit, continually be filled with the Holy Spirit. Why do you think we need to be continually filled with the Holy Spirit? As someone said, because we leak. We leak it out every day. (laughs) That's why we need to have a fresh infill in the Holy Spirit, because it leaks out of us. And there's plenty of things poking at our lives, helping that to leak out of us. We're tired, we're weary. We've had all kinds of restrictions and limitations placed upon us. We have fear. I love the words of that song that we sing. I will speak to my fear, I will preach to my doubt. Boy, do we need to speak to our fear today. Do we ever need to preach to our doubt the purpose of God and the plan of God and the power of God instead of being swallowed up with fear and doubt? And there's people who are swallowed up with fear. This week kind of was a a real direct awareness brought to us how one chance encounter with someone that has COVID could be so fraught with possibilities that a number of people, just one chance. Look what's happened to our president and his wife and to others. It's just, it's not, it's not immune to anything. You know, it's like one chance encounter one person can cause chaos and here we are battling all of this and i just believe that god wants to fill us and disperse our doubt by his power dissipate our fear by the pouring out of his holy spirit upon us there is a people of god called by his name that we are we are that people we are the people of god called by his name and something's going on right now that's calling us to not look at what's around us, but look to our source, and that is the Lord who baptizes and fills us with the Holy Spirit. You know, you can... I'm so glad I got to sit under Carl Strader's ministry. It wasn't but a couple of years. But that man helped me see First Corinthians 12 and 14 and, and scriptures so clearly. My Pentecostal background... I just it was really had a lot of gaps in it that I I didn't realize I had these places that I didn't really understand. Cause I got I got filled with the Holy Spirit when I was twelve years of age at youth camp. And and I was completely blown away. That was my initial baptism, immersion in the Holy Spirit. It was it was beyond anything I could comprehend. I really didn't know exactly what happened to me other than I understood that what happened to me was happening to people in the churches I was growing up. I didn't really know what I do with this. What I do with this experience. You cannot read 1 Corinthians 12 and 1 Corinthians 14 about any of the workings of the Holy Spirit without one major word always connected to it. There's always one word connected to the activity of the Holy Spirit in your life and in the life of the church you will not get any far in reading it without this word coming up and i think we just glaze over it we just go past it and it's the word edify it's the word meaning build up in fact he makes it so much a case in chapter 14 when he talks about that the gifts of the spirit are for the edifying of the church and here's this little unusual uh chapter 13 right between that talking about love but how does he begin that verse if we have the power the, to to do all things and have all kinds of wisdom and all kinds of speech if we don't have the love of god it's all for naught and he's bringing us back to what is it all for it is for the building up of the church any times. There's a manifestation of the Holy Spirit within the body proper. We should come out of that built up. We should come out of that encouraged. We should come out of that with hope and with peace and with joy. It should have an effect on us. It should not break us down and beat us down. It should build us up. And when Paul even dares talk about his own personal walk in the Spirit, He was was saying, I'm going to pray both ways. I'm going to pray with my understanding, but I'm going to also pray with my spirit. And with my understanding, I'm built up somewhat, but in my spirit, when I pray in the spirit, my spirit is being built up. How do we know it's being built up? Because he said it builds us up. How do you gauge that? How do you register that? How do you understand that? We just know that, it builds us up. Even Jude, in that one short little epistle before you get to the Revelation, he adds this: "Build up your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit." So even Jude kind of takes off on what Paul was preaching—that we be, it builds us up. There's only one source of help for us, and that's the baptizer, Jesus. Jesus immerses us in the spirit. He's the anointed one. He's revealed to to us by the power of the Holy Spirit. I really, I can tell every one of you without any reservation, without any iota of reservation, every one of you and myself, he wants us filled with the Holy Spirit. He wants every single one of us in this room filled with the Spirit. If he didn't, this is what he would have said before he ascended into heaven. Now, I want you to go back to Jerusalem and wait there for the promise of the Father, and you'll receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, Holy Spirit's come upon you, and then you can go out and be witnesses. Now, some of you are all ready to do that, and so you can go on out and start preaching without this. And the rest of them can just catch up with you later. Because there's some of you, you don't need this. You, are, I've trained you. Maybe the maybe the apostles themselves, they don't need this. They've been trained for Jesus for three years. The rest of those people had not been trained. So maybe he's just going to separate them. He says, you're an neat class of people. You're the Navy SEALs of this group. You just go on out there and start doing the kingdom of God work. And the rest of these other people, it's not up to your par. They'll come up to your par and they'll catch up later. He didn't say that, did he? He said, you all go back. Apostles go back. Everybody go back. Everybody stay there until the heavens open over you and the Holy Spirit descends on you. And and I want to tell you something. If any of us in this room think that we can do whatever God wants us to do without the empowering presence of the Holy Spirit, we are greatly deceived. We are are really not aware of, that we cannot do what God's called us to do without the accompanying presence and infilling of the Holy Spirit. So what should we do? We should say, Lord, fill me up with your Holy Spirit. Do you want to be filled with the Spirit? I'm, I'm, I'm just telling you, I just, feel I've, I just feel God is up to something right now. Right in the middle of all this stuff, the president's got COVID, his wife's got COVID, all these people are, and in almost every announcement you hear, you're like, somebody else has got it, somebody else has got it. And what are we doing? We're like, getting back brother, away. And we want to just hunker down and not give that thing any chance of getting on us. And it's robbing us of getting in touch with God. Because we got fear and doubt possessing our souls instead i'm telling you what when the holy spirit makes his descent or or erupts out of us and jesus said it's not going to be you know i i read i read a lot of books during the charismatic renewal and i read one book talked about the holy spirit doesn't come upon you the holy spirit releases within you that out of your innermost being shall flow rivers of living water and jesus said that's the holy spirit and we might be waiting for it to come externally If you're a believer, you already have the Holy Spirit. But here's the question. Does the Holy Spirit have you? Does he have you? Does he have all of you? That's what being filled with the Spirit is. So we're going to have an altar time. Are you ready for an altar time? Oh, we're doing good. We we can have a lot of altar time. I want you to stand with me. And, And the praise team... It's going to be a part of this altar time. I want everybody to be a part of this. In a moment, we're going to start a song, and we don't have little X's all over the place. Y- y'all are pretty good with knowing what six feet look like. Some of you are making real sure nobody is getting within six feet of you. But I want you, you can stand, you can kneel, you can sit. But here's what I want all of us to do. Just say, God, fill me within these next minutes I want you to fill me with the Holy Spirit and you get ready for this surge of the Spirit coming up through you and you just speak what God gives you to speak. Lord, I ask you right now that we would not dismiss the reality that we are in desperate need of the fullness of your Spirit. We are surrounded by darkness, by fear, by doubt, and we need it broken off of us. And I don't believe, Lord, it will be unless we're d- infused with your power and in filled with your spirit. And I'm asking you, Lord, for a visitation of your Holy Spirit in this room. In this room right here, this sanctuary to be an upper room of your presence, Lord. And that we will connect to you and you will connect to us. And that this week we'll see something going on in our lives that's unusual, that's only from heaven. And that we will be a source of encouragement to someone because we have touched the throne of God and the throne of God has touched us. And we want the throne of God to touch us. So if you'll just start going, if you want to come up to the front, you want to sit, you want to kneel, you want to pray, wherever you want to get. Just worship the Lord. And Shane, as you turn that up, even the people in the sound room can find a place of seeking the Lord you can do it up there you can do it anywhere in this building hallelujah thank you Lord